So it's something that we want to have a, a relationship with these individuals where, sure, come to us, but A, one uh, entity type doesn't, doesn't fit all. B, your entity should evolve as your business evolves. So oftentimes that means having multiple entities, having series entities, kind of learning how to structure it. We work through a lot of the asset planning as well and how to incorporate both the trust side of things along with the entity side of things in order to accomplish not only your goals for your media business, but also how those things transfer to future generations and that sort of thing. You're listening to The Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career. Welcome, 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 everybody from the great state of Arizona. Today, we are excited about our two guests that we have in the studio on today. I am Marcus Maloney, my sidekick. Mike Delpree. And we are here right now to talk to Focus Law Group. We are here with Mick and Michele, who are attorneys, business attorneys, real estate attorneys. And they're going to talk about what they offer the clients and the residents of this great state of Arizona. So, guys, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, man. All right. So, guys, we're just sitting back, man. We got the lights on. We're we're chilling today, just kind of uh, relaxing. And we want to know some things about law because we have quite a few newer real estate investors or seasoned investors that's looking for some general counsel, is looking for some business counsel, looking to form some entities and everything like that. So today on an Azria show, we want to make sure that we provide quality content for those listeners so we can pique their interest and pique their ears and possibly roll into some clients for you guys over at Focus Law Group. But that's not our focus. Our focus is to make sure we get everything out that people need. So Give us a little bit of background about Focus Law Group, how long you guys been in business. I know that you guys have over 30 years of experience here in law and in Arizona and in California, but do us a favor. Give us your background. Let's start with Michele. All right, mate. So my name is Michele. I'm half Italian, half Australian, hence the funny accent and the funny name. Um, (laughs) So yeah, born in Australia. Moved to the U.S. when I was about 13. Lived all over the country. Ended up going to law school at Georgetown, which is where I met this handsome young fellow, Mick. Awesome. Two uh, kinds. Two kinds. Yeah, man. And graduated from law school in 2011. Went off to work for a really big uh, corporate law firm in Los Angeles for four years. Left that to become general counsel and vice president of a high-tech manufacturing startup in Austin, Texas. Left that. Took a little bit of time off. Went back to Australia to spend some time with my mom and my little brother and my family. And then got in touch with Mick. Actually, we got in touch because I was sort of looking for a little bit of extra work and we'd reconnected because I was running, uh, I still do a music blog and every couple of weeks I'd send out an email with like tracks that I was really, you know, into and albums I was listening to with write-ups and descriptions that I was putting together. Anyway, I had a pretty decent sized email distribution and Mick was one of the unlucky victims at the end of it. So um, yeah, we just reconnected as mates early on in the piece. And then I reached out to him, you know, when I was looking to transition back into the, back into the law firm world. And I mean, from the, from the get go, it was just a great fit. We've been working together for a year and a half now and yeah, haven't looked back really. It's been terrific. What kind of of music? Oh, mate. 
Uh, we need a separate show just just for that, I think. Yeah. But I'm all over the map. It'd be easier for me to tell you what I don't like. I, I'd say my deepest love is classic rock, okay. stuff from the 60s and 70s, but blues, good electronic, good hip-hop, jazz, love jazz, you know, contemporary indie rock, basically anything that isn't very 80s or too poppy. I love it. Gotcha. Right. Or country. Yeah, not a huge country. <laughs> I mean, if you put on a good country track, you know, by one of the old classics, I'll definitely get into it and give it some time. I like some Johnny Cash. I love early Elvis. But yeah, country is probably one I haven't really grabbed onto yet. But I'm open. I'm a lover. I want to yeah. I want to fall in love like with that. as many things as I can. Good music is good music no matter what genre, right? That's what I recommend. Cool. There you go. McKinley has outstanding taste in music. He is by far the more cultured of the two of us. I'm perfectly fine putting on Garth Brooks for the 8,000th time and <laughs> melting my, my mind. But he gives me the good stuff to listen to. And so I... I listen to it. Love it. Anyway, so. Sure. So I grew up in dairy country in Washington State, dairy land and kind of doing that thing. I went to college in Hawaii uh, for undergrad, and then I lived overseas for a couple of years in Suriname, and then came back and went to law school, met McKelley. And from there, he went, went to work for a big firm. I moved out here to Arizona and actually initially started out kind of working, doing exactly what the folks on the show are doing. But he was flipping some houses, and I helped mm -hmm. him and got involved with that. And enjoy that for a while. That was right back uh, around 2011. Okay. So it was a good time for that. Oh yeah. And then pretty quickly transitioned to practicing law myself, went to work for a couple of regional firms, kind of grew out my practice, grew out my understanding, and then jumped over to starting my own firm back in 20, boy, four years ago now. So 2017, I started Focus Law. And the genesis of Focus Law was kind of me realizing that there were a lot of business owners, business people, entrepreneurs who were getting a lot of their services, even legal services from a lot of different places. And I didn't see that there was a lot of entrepreneurship behind the practice of law and there wasn't a lot of that understanding. And so I said, you know what, I want to create a home for those people where they feel like they don't have to get bounced from one firm to the next, dependent upon what it is that they're doing. By no means am I an expert in every field. That's not what I intend to say. But at the very least, I think that we have Put together a team now like you said we have you know on the team we have 30 years with experience amongst the attorneys that we have we've got incredible pedigrees we have varied backgrounds and so there are not too many issues that a business owner that an investor approaches us with that we haven't seen at least several times and so started that i've added to the team over the last few years from mckelly on which is just an incredible thing and it there's been no looking back and who's, who's your what's the name of your other partner there's a third partner right? uh, yeah sam richardson sam richardson okay, yeah, okay. awesome and do you guys have like specific areas of the business you guys are experts at or do you guys all kind of work together on everything sure. so yeah. i mean not music <laughs> I'm in charge of Phyllis, are always primo. Love it. That's a high level job. My right. hang job right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone, someone looks up and goes, What is this garbage? You know, it's, you, you take it personally. You're like, what do you, what do you mean? This is my favorite track this week. <laughs> yeah, thick skin to do it. Right? Blame it on you, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> so I started out doing a lot of debt collection, actually, uh, right. for commercial creditors and that sort of thing. And from there, it got a good foothold with litigation and then grew my practice out from there. The firm that I worked for initially almost exclusively wanted to service in the kind of creditor's rights areas. So I went from there and said, okay, I want to take that and expand it out into business. So my area of expertise is small to medium-sized businesses and kind of just the wide range of issues that they run into. Sam on the team uh, heads up now heads up kind of our litigation group. We both do a fair amount of litigation, but Sam heads up litigation and he takes care of really his 
what he was brought in for was to handle all of the estate planning. Okay. So important. we're, you know, I imagine that a lot of the folks in here want to talk about, you know, wealth management, that's, or, you know, wealth protection and whatnot. While all of us kind of go through those areas, Sam is really kind of the one that's been designated to, to head that up because his route comes out through the- Gotcha, gotcha. The good things about it is you have a background in real estate. So it's not just coming from a theory concept, but you actually have practice. So it's from theory to practice, you understand you got to have the numbers, got to have the right entity formation and everything like that. So when you come in to talk to you, you can talk about, hey, I'm doing this flip and you know this is kind of what happened and the contractor walked out and I gave him a deposit and you you can understand those pains and everything like that. So that's, that's pretty good there. So a new investor here at Ria, they're just getting started. They want to do their first wholesale deal or their first flip. Do they need an entity to do this, real this business? I'd say yes. I'd say absolutely. Yeah, got it. And for why? For for what? The main reason is going to be liability protection. Of course. Yeah, okay. To protect their personal assets from whatever might happen to the investment that they make. Got it. Yeah, liability is a big one. Also, just for every various benefit that comes from running a business rather than being an individual um, mm -hmm. tax benefits. Do you guys do any type of accounting? So, and we can go into that. It's actually an interesting thing. When I decided to start my firm, I was just going to jump out and start on my own. And I actually just negotiated a, a lease for a good friend of mine who has an accounting firm. It was him. He has an accounting firm. And then he also, or there's also with him a financial planning firm. Okay. And they're called Focus tax and focus financial. Okay. And so we started talking, we had a lot of overlap in what our clients do. Seth, who heads up focus tax and accounting has a lot of clients who are in the real estate field. And we're like, man, there's so much, you know, good energy here that we decided to kind of brand it all together. Focus companies is kind of the overarching umbrella. Now we're each our own individual entity. I am focus law, you know, that's, that's mine. We don't share fees, anything else, but we we market together, we share office space, okay. you know, kind of a, a co-op of sorts to, to be able to do that. So while we don't personally do any accounting per se, naturally our job a lot of times comes with some forensic accounting that ends up happening as we have to work through whether creating or unraveling deals and that sort of thing. But Seth and his team, team of CPAs that actually handle all of that. Great. Okay. So you got, man, you have the tax, you have accounting, you have entity formation, you have estate planning. You have real estate contract and negotiations. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we really are a, a one-stop shop for most for most investors for most business people. You know, we we don't do landlord tenant law. Zona Group is the home for that, guys. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay, that's right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the great group. Okay, so Marcus, any other questions? I got a bunch in my head. Sure, man. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. All right, fine. So so I know last time we were here. What about the PPP? loan like for small you mentioned small businesses medium-sized businesses what are some things they can do i think you mentioned maybe there's a second round coming out so what are some things people can do to get a you know head start what if i dive in here man go for it man man so last year everybody kind of remembers when when covid started to unravel on us mm -hmm. right it was like march it was kind of a crazy time i my my wife was due to have our second child march 26th awesome. and mikhail and i were talking probably the just the days leading up to it yeah. and it was, I remember you know, I just actually just coming back from Vietnam. That's right. Yeah, I was in Vietnam when when so when you know everything hit the fan. I wow. just scrambled onto the last flight out of Saigon back to Perth. Got to Perth and then looked around and went, no, 
well, I guess I'm going to be here for a while. <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah, that, that sort of really gave us a bit of a uh, bit of rock fuel for, for getting started. But, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. so he was already on at that point, but I, I kind of – I was stepping away for a few days to be able to be with my family as we had this child. And it was between the time that I stepped out, probably March 30th, April 1st, that – COVID exploded. I mean, it really did. All of a sudden, it was a real thing. Businesses, all, there was the mandatory worker, you know, all, all the things that happened. And PPP became a big thing. Now, as a business owner, from my perspective, it was so scary. I mean, I think anybody was in the same position. I looked and I said, this is going to change. You know, obviously, transactions are going to stop for a while. So much of our business transaction has stopped. Litigation is going to grind to a halt because courts are going to be closed. closed. It was like, where do we go from here? And I just said, okay, well, let's be a resource related to COVID for businesses. And PPP kind of became a thing all of a sudden, legislation Mm -hmm. got passed. And so we just dug into it right off the bat. It was like, okay, here's an opportunity. You know, we can either just sit here and hope that business comes back or we can transition from where we had all of our effort and put into this. And so we kind of became the resource for, you know, everything PPP related, the Paytech Paycheck Protection Program. And that was a big part of it too, was sort of, you know, looking at our client base and realizing, man, this is the challenge they're facing now. We need to be responsive to this, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we dug into it. I'm sure that most folks now are pretty familiar with what the PPP was. Yeah. uh, And is essentially, if you're a small business owner, you're able to get the equivalent of 10 weeks worth of your payroll as a loan from the SBA, and that as long as it's used primarily for payroll, as long as you meet certain stipulations, that whole loan is entirely forgiven. So, I mean, think about what that means for a lot of businesses. That's your lifeline, right? Your payroll is, in many cases, your largest expense, your largest single line item, and all of a sudden you get to- Basically write that off. Oh, man. (laughs) And, And there was so much write that off. It was a really, there were so many different angles that came into this thing because Congress didn't exactly know what they're doing as they came out with it, right? And so it was this evolving, really interesting piece of legislation that people are getting the loan and then the rules related to the loan are changing Changing. after they've already gotten it, after they've already started spending the money. So we put a ton of time into it, loved it, gained some incredible clients and contacts through it. We ended up working really closely with a lot of the local banks who can't give their customers legal advice. So Customers say, what can I do about this? And all of a sudden, they end up at Focus Law. And so we loved it. Yes. Second part of that question was, is there a current PPP program? Man, guys, I got to admit, I have not looked at it in the last couple of weeks, but I believe that round two is still open. It opened earlier this year, and I don't think the funds have been spent out yet. The difference is the last one, all that you had to be able to show was that you had an economic need for the PPP loan. Mm-hmm. This one, you have to be able to show that there was a 25% reduction quarter over quarter from a quarter in 2019 to a quarter in 2020. The most logical one to look at would be probably Q2, Q3, because that's when COVID COVID really hit. So say you made 500,000 in Q2 of 2019 and made 350 in Q2 of 2020, you qualify for it, you get the exact same amounts as as we just discussed, two and a half Mm -hmm. times, you're, you're right. So if you don't know about it and you think you might qualify for it, a, reach out to us. We'd be happy to help you through that. Great. B, is reach out to your business banker. They're very knowledgeable and kind of, you know, using all the resources available to you, your business might be able to really kind of succeed and thrive through it rather than continue to struggle. Okay. Right? And in that forgiveness part of it, is there documentation you got to fill out or is it like yeah. it's not just forgiven once you get it? It's, no, so. there, 
there's documentation, there's certain metrics you have to meet, but if you And it's fair to say that they sort of, the yardstick got moved a few times along the way, right? Like mm -hmm. to the point about sort of the, the, the thing being pushed out without maybe being fully thought through, but fair enough, it was a crisis. Yeah. No judgment by that statement, but we did watch as sort of the metrics got changed a little bit and then the reporting requirements got changed a little bit and then all of a sudden people who thought they might have been fine weren't fine and so there was a little bit of a bit of limbo that happened there along the way but yeah i think we're probably in a slightly more stable place with that now Agreed. okay great and yeah there's there's a forgiveness process most banks have a forgiveness application portal that you can apply for forgiveness through and surprisingly what seemed extremely complicated and what SBA and, and every other agency involved made appear to be complicated. When it all came down to it, they didn't want to do as much work as they had created for themselves. And so they simplified a lot of those yeah, processes. Yeah. So. Great. So what do you see coming out of this? What do you see Focus Law Group really focusing on now? Since the PPP is kind of wrapping up, things are kind of moving back to normalcy. What do you guys see as your stable concept or stable business practices right now. Can I jump in and I'll add sort of two of the various cents that get thrown into the pot on this one. I think we're very steadily expanding the, the area of our practice that's sort of what we call outside general counsel services. So that's mm -hmm. really being the first port of call for startups, entrepreneurs, small to medium-sized businesses, whenever they have any sort of legal need, right? And so we've done a lot of work in that industry and specific sort of niches within that, real estate being a very big one for us. And so I think we are quickly growing that aspect of our practice so that we're rather than necessarily being reactive to certain things that are going on. And we still want to be that, but like mm -hmm. with the PPP, but sort of providing this stable like net, this platform for really any ongoing legal need that companies or entrepreneurs or business people have within a certain range of the, of the legal world. And that's sort of, I think, where our home is seeming to be more and more these days, right? Yeah, I agree. One of the things that I've loved about the whole COVID season is that you, we're seeing people grow like you can't imagine. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of our work is transactional right now. It's a lot of entity formations. It's a lot of mm -hmm you know, acquisitions, a lot of people selling, whatever. The people who survived COVID, and I know there are people who went through a lot of difficulties, but there was also a lot of people who through COVID took a proactive approach. Like we attempted to, like I feel like that, that's business owner is, okay, how do I adapt? The people who did that came out of it just primed to kill it right now. Yeah. And so- There's a lot of transactional work that oh, sort of happened through. I mean, yeah, like both of us expected, well, COVID hit where we're going to have to take up a trade. I hope one of us knows how to lay bricks because we're in trouble, but... Well, you got the music background. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, always, I suppose I can always fall back on that. And I play basketball and lay a lot of bricks, so... Uh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, between the two of us, we can we can irritate pretty much everybody. Um, no, but yeah, it was it was sort of shocking to see how how much... After sort of the initial sort of spike and the initial moment of closure, I think, that how much transactional work continued to kick on and maybe even sort of thrive in certain respects. So to clarify, when you say transaction work and acquisition, so you're helping people purchase properties. Is Give us an example of maybe some projects you worked on, maybe. The word transactional in sort of in our industry, we use it, we use it to separate like, well, I guess, litigation from transaction. So okay. transactional work is really anything that isn't a litigation. It's anything where somebody 
business or entity A or person A wants to accomplish something. There's no dispute. It's just, I want to buy something. Like you said, I want to sell something. I want to hire someone. I want to start a joint venture with somebody. I want to raise some money to go do something and everything sort of in between. That's when we say transactional. We just mean people out there in the business world transacting, doing Got it. Yeah. So yeah, when you say transaction, we're like closing a deal. Yeah. Exactly right. And it's a lot of it has been real estate related, man. There have been a lot of real estate transactions. Especially this day. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's incredible right now. So yeah, when you say transaction, I would say it's right now it's acquisitions. Okay. Whether it's property acquisitions or business acquisitions, investment acquisitions, that is what is booming. Okay. So let's take a brief break, hear a word from my sponsors. And then when we come back, we'll talk about some of those acquisitions. And as a newbie coming in and they want to form an LLC, what should they bring in? What should they bring to you in order to help them get that LLC? This episode of the Azria Show is brought to you by Azria Business Associate, Zona Law Group. Zona Law Group handles numerous real estate matters with a focus on landlord-tenant law in Arizona. For more information, visit their site at Zona.Law. All right, guys, and we are back with Focus Law Group based out of Phoenix, Arizona. You can go to 7600 North 16th Street Suite 100 in Phoenix, and you can meet Michele and Mick, and they can help you with all of your real estate and attorney leads, except for landlord-tenant laws, correct? Right. <laughs> there well, we go. And, and business-related. We, we always joke about it. We don't do, we don't criminal. do criminal. No criminal. No criminal. No, no criminal, criminal. No family law. I don't, want, okay. I don't like divorces. <laughs> I don't like crimes. So. There we go. So we're going to stick it. We're going to stick to business and real estate. All right. So if I was a newbie and I want to get into real estate and I know that we need to form an LLC or some kind of entity, you know, S Corp, C Corp, something like that, what should we bring in to prepare for a meeting with you, Michele, or you, make Coming in, what can we expect? So the, the, the sort of the, the basics, there's really not a lot you need to bring in to, to start with. And so yeah, for most of the entity formation stuff, at least the beginning is quite simple. And we do, the, the majority of what we're doing now for folks in the real estate space is LLC formation. It's just, we actually have a presentation coming up about this and some other entity types and why, mm -hmm. you know, pros and cons to each and what they sort of look like for the investor on June 14th at the next Desria meeting and June 15th for the Tucson folks. Awesome. But yeah, so essentially, you know, we've had a lot of folks come in and LLC seems to be sort of the home for them. It's relatively easy to set up. It's very flexible. It doesn't really add too many burdens to the investors. There's not much regulatory oversight there. And so coming in and getting one of those set up, the, the, the investors themselves don't really need to bring a whole lot. The name of the LLC, I mean, that sounds sort of like a no-brainer, mm -hmm. but we do need to look that up and make sure it is available. But once once they sort of come in with that, the rest the rest is fairly easy. The one, the, the big, I would say the big lift in terms of document preparation for us in that process and where we do need their input quite a bit as we go is uh, drafting the operating agreement for the LLC, which is, that's the governing document for the LLC. Right, That's yes. what stipulates who can do what, how the LLC is going to be run, who has you know, managerial authority, how many members there are, how many the share or the, the membership interests allocated to each member, how much money they will contribute, all those kinds of things. So that's where it does get a little bit more hands-on. But hey, man, all you got to do is walk through the door and have a name that isn't taken. Okay. So I got follow up on that. So so that was for like the newer investor, right? Maybe they, had, they went from wholesaling to fix and flipping or started landlording. So I'm assuming after you grow as an investor and you got more assets, should you go and get that operating agreement updated in any way? Yeah, absolutely. You know, McKelly is dead on. 
what we need is the people there because the people are the ones that have the ideas and have the understanding of how they want their entity to be governed. But we want you to come in with an idea of what the structure is. We try not to be just a snippet in time. You're talking about, okay, look, we can start mixed real estate LLC today and maybe it's just Mick. And, mm -hmm. you know, I put in the money, I did all this, that's fine. And in five years, my relationships and my involvement in investing will have evolved so much. The operating agreement that I put together, it's a single member operating agreement where it says I have all the say and everything else mm -hmm. is not going to be uh, valid or not going to be useful for where we're mm -hmm. at then. So it's something that we want to have a, a relationship with these individuals where, sure, come to us. But A, one entity type doesn't fit all. B, your entity should evolve as your business evolves. So oftentimes that means having multiple entities, having series entities, kind of learning how to structure. We work through a lot of asset planning as well, how to incorporate both the trust side of things along with the entity side of things in order to accomplish not only your goals for your media business, but also how those things transfer to future generations, that sort of thing. And we can dive, we can spend hours on that topic. But yeah. no, needless great. to say, you're right. There's going to be an evolution. And so it's good to, as those changes happen, be out in front of them with addressing those things through your governing documents rather than Reactive. coming back after yeah. the fact and yeah. saying, this guy and I are in business together. He's not even on my LLC or I'm not even on his LLC, but we dispute, what do we do? Well, guess what? That looks like litigation and that's expensive. It's not fun. It breaks relationships. If we get those things taken care of on the front end and we address them as they develop, we preserve relationships. We preserve capital that gets to be used for investing rather than fighting. Yeah. There's so right. many upshots to using prevention rather than, than right. cure. And I, I think you touched on something really important to me, and that's our focus or our primary or our, the entry point we most want with our clients is at the very beginning of the process because it allows us to really map everything out with them from the beginning so that we can try and avoid all of the potholes. And it also allows us to be flexible and to sort of be integrated with what they're doing as they go. So we're able to make better decisions with them. We're able to be a better counsel to them. If we've come in on the front end and if we establish that long-term relationship, we have a lot of folks who come in who are already at crisis point or yeah. are you know, nine-tenths of the way through the transaction and now they just want to make sure everything's fine and there's a home for all of that. But ideally, come to us on day one and you know, we'll be there in whatever capacity you need from then on. You know. That's a great point because as a new investor, sometimes there's that fear to getting started, right? Because you see all these things you, gotta, you supposedly should be doing to get started. So I always push, just take action and that's what I did, just blindly just went forward, right? Mm -hmm. But now looking back at my old beginning self, I'm like, wow, if I just did my LLC right or the partnership agreement was drawn up when I got into that partnership, it pays up front. So if you have the money and you're new, it pays to sit down with you guys and just have paint that picture. That's a fantastic point because it's also one of the things that drives what we do and what we like to do. And that's to be a, an available resource for people at the right point in their sort of process. And available means physically available, but it means being financially available, right? And yeah. so we sort of set up our business model to be flexible enough and to set our rates at a point where, you know, we're able to give a lot of value in a short amount of time and it's relatively low cost. And so Great. with a little bit of time, you know, that that mm -hmm. stitch, that first stitch will save you nine. Yes. You can come in early and I totally it, believe it. You, you'll get a lot of value just from having a little bit of interaction with us early on. And yeah, that's what we like to do. We're not, we, we, we want to just mold ourselves around your, the, the person's need but as, as early as we can. Love it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big car guy, guys. So the way that I look at it is I've got my race car. I take it out to the track. I, I drag race it. What kind of car is it, Mick? 
Boom. It's a six-second command. <laughs> Wait, what kind of game? I didn't hear that. a whole conversation about that another time. Well. <laughs> and where are, you, where are you racing it? Down at uh, Wild Horse Pass. Wild Horse. Okay. Uh, and down in Tucson as well. Not right now. It's in your garage at the moment. It is. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> we're putting a new transmission in it. So, in any case, with my car, despite it looks super cool and it's it's got all these cool parts, I'm in there changing the oil regularly. Mm -hmm. I'm making sure the spark plugs aren't you know messed up. You know, flushing the, the transmission fluid. All those things seem boring. They seem menial. And frankly, if nothing ever happens, they seem like, why did I even do them? Mm -hmm. That's exactly like your business. You know, you've got to be doing the preventative maintenance, which is so much cheaper than letting your transmission fluid heat up and, <laughs> and roasting your $4,000 transmission yeah. and then having to replace it after the fact. Yeah. All of a sudden, that transmission fluid and that change seems real cheap. So that's how I feel about the with it, yearly checkup because of the yearly minutes or something on your LLC. Yeah. Um, that's how, yeah. yeah. I'm like, exactly. do I got to do this? You yeah. just want to yeah. pull me, don't you? <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, it's there's a reason for it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so it's just being proactive versus reactive and having that prevention step in there to make sure everything is where you need it to be. I think a lot of look at going to see a lawyer, going to see as, as infrequently as I have to, and oh, it's going to hurt and it's going to be expensive. And so let's just avoid the whole thing. But like, if you take care of your teeth, you don't have to see them. And when you do, it's usually, hey, everything's looking good. See you later, mate. So we, we sort of like to be. I've heard Michael use that example before, but usually it's proctologist. So he toned it down for Asriya. I did, and the proctology example. So I, I, I learned it over hearing Mick on the phone. Um, yeah, it's, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. he just, so he's just booking his dentist appointment before this. <laughs> Actually, I think Nick gets his proctologist and his dentist mixed up, which is why he goes into the dentist and takes his pants off. But that's we'll talk about that another time. So you guys do transactional work also as far as real estate contracts and everything mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. So those services. So for someone that's getting started, would they just come in and say, hey, you know what? I, I see this property that I want to buy and they're not using a realtor or anything like that. They can, you can service that individual as well. Certainly. Totally. And, and having or not having a realtor doesn't change the analysis for us. I mean, we, we work with realtors as well. So yeah, no, totally. That's just come right on through the front door. I got to ask them the the number one LLC question. I know we've spent a lot of time on LLC, but the number one LLC question in the real estate world, do I buy my properties, one property per LLC, or can I put multiple properties in one LLC? Can I put a keg on this? All yours, man. <laughs> one per, man. Okay. How okay. much liability do you want to have? Mm -hmm. but, but but to f f fully answer the question, can you put multiple in yeah. an LLC? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Sure. But... What Mick's saying is it's usually safer and smarter. You're, you're than segregating your exposure. And you know what? Everybody should have a great insurance policy. Everybody should have all those things. But there's no better protection for your exposure than only having one asset in that space. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. That way, if any litigation, they can only go after that one asset. That's right. And it doesn't reach to your other assets. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. There you go, folks. You heard it from the best. And on top of that, make sure you keep your books right. Yes, so you don't have any trouble beyond that. But there's all kinds of that's what I hear too sometimes. Like it could be a lot of paperwork, a lot of accounting work, fees. So you may want to maybe make enough money at first, maybe. Yeah. Frankly, I find that each investment generally generates enough to cover kind of the operating expenses of being able to do it right. Mm -hmm. If yeah. you're not, and listen, every investor that I know is a well, most investors I know is a spreadsheets guru, right? We all we've seen it, man. You guys know how to break things down. You know how to make sure that the investment is viable. Mm -hmm. Build into that either the time or the money 
to be able to just do it correctly. It's not a ton of work. Open a bank account. Use that bank account only for the property that's yeah. located in. If you you can take the money out of that account very easily. You can put money back in. Have a paper trail that documents what's happening rather than treating that bank account, treating that business as your piggy bank. That's where you're going to get into problems. So it's not as daunting as it seems. Got it. As long as it's done right, and then you preserve that. Great. I think it's fair to say that you can get sort of professional help with the accounting side of things. An accountant, a good accountant should be able to handle multiple LLCs without too much additional cost. Low threshold. Yeah, it's not, I mean, I'm not saying go out and hire everybody, but doing it right for a little bit extra is an hour, an hour's opinion always worth doing. Buy once, cry once. Yeah, yeah. So let's take a brief break. We're going to get our calendar of events update. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about June 14th, June 15th, where you guys are going to be with Azria and you're going to be talking about some special topics. So let's have a brief break and we'll be right back. A supporter of today's Azria show is Azria Business Associate, Boomerang Capital Partners. They're coined as the best flipping lender, providing financing solutions to help fund your next fix and flip project. For more information, visit boomerangcapital.com. Here's a quick update on Azria's upcoming events. The Tucson New Investors subgroup is on the 7th. The Tucson Monthly Meeting is going to be on the 8th. The Raising Capital and Options subgroup is also on the 8th. The Phoenix Monthly Meeting is going to be on the 14th. The Beginning Investors subgroup on the 17th and the notes subgroup on the 17th. For more information and to register, visit azria.org slash calendar. All right, guys, we are back with Michele and Mick of Focus Law Group, where you can find them at 7600 North 16th Street, Suite 100 in Phoenix. And we'll make sure we have all of their contact information in the show notes below here. So you guys are going to be with Azria on June 14th here in Phoenix and June 15th in Tucson. What are some of the things that you're going to be sharing with us? I mean, we're going to put together and, and deliver, I think, what's going to be a really helpful presentation for the Azure members and, and really sort of mapping out how the most common entity types affect the, the real estate transactions that a lot of the folks are looking to, to do at Azria. So we're going to walk through sole proprietorships. We're going to look at general partnerships and we're going to look at LLCs. And we're sort of going to look at them through the lens of if I pick one of these, what's coming my way? What is it I have to be ready for? What kind of documents do I have to prepare? And how does that affect the finances a little bit or the investment structure and how I raise money, how I spend the money, what kind of liability I have so that folks can really sit there at you know one place and see the three roads ahead of them and know what the potholes are and, and what, what the future is going to look like. Awesome. And I, I think Alan may have mentioned when he was here, you guys did like a giveaway or something? No. Not like giveaway, like they were a, giving Mick away. <laughs> free consultation hours. Free handout. Like a handout. Yeah, we'll have a handout. Yeah. Okay. We'll, just... we'll have an outline. Man, I truly intend to be very not dense, but very informational. There's gonna be a lot yeah. there, and we don't expect people to retain 100 percent of it. But we want to give you enough that as you're kind of rolling through these things, you say, you know what? This sounds like that juncture that Mick and McKelly were talking about. Right. I can go back to this sheet, kind of see what it is, and maybe you recall enough to be able to make a sound decision from there, or maybe you say this is kind of jumping off point for where I need to, you know, speak with an attorney. Love okay. It. Perfect. And, and I know he said that. So one of them is, you know, joint ventures is one of the topics, right? Yeah. So now is that just like two partners wanting to go into a deal as well as, the, but there's also another part of it that uh, you have partners when it comes to raising money. So another question is, do you do securities at all? 
Wait, or securities is an interesting term. There are strictly securities attorneys. We're not going through securities registrations and that sort of thing, but a lot of the transactions we look at are structured in a matter very similar to securities. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, yes, we assist in structuring investment types. We assist in some instance unraveling those as well. And we assist in determining what the best investment vehicle is for what you're going to be doing. So am I a securities attorney? No, you can go find them at the very top of the tower, billing a thousand bucks an hour, and you're not going to understand a word they say a lot of the time. That's not where we want to be. And it's also probably not where most of the folks who are looking to do what, you know, that we're talking about looking to do. A lot of the securities work is for very high yield, sort of high Mm -hmm. capital capital intensive. You guys keep us safe. Oh, we keep you safe. That's our job. That's what we do. There we go. Yeah, because I'm going to go on like Instagram and Facebook after this guarantee non-credit investors uh, percentage. (laughs) Should I do that? (laughs) That, That's probably not a good idea. And frankly, I don't think I need to be your attorney. (laughs) (laughs) Don't Um, do that. (laughs) You you mentioned joint ventures, general partnerships. Uh, It's one that Mikhail and I uh, really enjoy talking about only because it is a very flexible structure. You can have your LLC. You can be, you can use that LLC to be involved in that general partner. You can go through the different process of structuring. It gives flexibility to security-like transactions that avoid all the red tape that comes with a Series A and that sort of thing. Okay. But, Great but to know. It, it's, it's worth noting too that often people probably underestimate how much they need to really plan those types of investment structures and how much they how much forethought goes into them you know a lot of people waltz into them sort of with relatively little contract between the the entities or the or the other partners or the joint ventures and that's where you can sort of get yourself in a real hot water there an llc is sort of it's a bit more of a rigid structure than what Mick's saying with you know joint ventures and general partnerships those are basically a blank blank, blank sheet of paper you can write whatever you want on them yeah but if you don't write enough if you don't take the time to really map things out you can quickly find yourself in a situation where the entanglements are harder to undo. Then with an LLC, it's a bit more of a stable sort of entity with some predefined sort of outcomes and, and roles and responsibilities. Yeah, that's why I think it's so important to sit down with you guys because you don't know what you don't know. So if you're going into this joint venture partnership with somebody, you're either borrowing in the relationship, yeah, yeah. you guys could see the future, see what we don't see, what we might might want on that blank piece of paper. Right, right? Totally. So that's exactly yeah. where we jump in. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So if you guys want more information and you want to continue to get additional information about Focus Law Group, remember June 14th, June 15th for Tucson. So you'll be at the Azria Mia meeting on June 14th and the Tucson meeting on June 15th. You can always go to azria.org to get additional information about those meetings. So where can we find you? I know I said the address, but Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Twitter, no, unfortunately. I'm, I I think I might be personally on Twitter, but I primarily use it to talk about the Utah Jazz. And I don't think anybody wants to listen to that. <laughs> I hear. So, um, yeah, yeah, correct. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. Um, you can find our website, focuslaw.biz. Um, on Facebook and Instagram, just search Focus Law. It's spelled P-H-O-C-U-S, like Phoenix Focus, uh, Focus Law. And man, I think it's worth a follow. I'm not, I'm not just saying that because I took my own horn, but we put out some pretty enjoyable and, and insightful information on there. Sometimes it's just enjoyable things you read and you say, I didn't know that. Other times, you know, a lot of the PPP stuff, you know, as we kind of went through these things, we wanted to get in as many people's hands as we could. We spent, I mean, I, if I had to actually go back and out the hours, hundreds of hours researching the developments and that stuff. And I put it out there, all the primers, everything else, Mikhail and I generated, and we put it out there as free material mm-hmm. uh, for folks who need it. Because A, 
there's a personal interest. Obviously, hopefully people come to us, but also it was a time when I felt like if you could do something to go a little above and beyond for the business community around you, you should. Maybe that's karma, whatever else you want to call it. But, it, you know, obviously it turned out well. So Love it. Yeah. Yeah. So focus, pH, like Phoenix Suns, I think. Uh, yeah, right, Phoenix. Yes. Yeah, Phoenix. I don't want to say the Suns. Come on now. <laughs> rough, rough loss last night. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anthony Davis took it. it to you guys. Yeah, it was so some calls that should have been going. made. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sounds typical. Well, guys, we'll make sure we have um, all of that information in the show notes. Remember, Focus Law, PH for Focus, PH for Focus, and man, McKellar, Mick. Thank you for being here on the show. We're definitely going to be at the Azria meeting where you guys will be speaking and you guys down in Tucson. Remember, June 15th, they will be on Zoom where you can ask questions, get in the chat, jump in, get some information. So we want to make sure all the state of Arizona knows about Focus Law Group and what they provide for the residents of Arizona. Anything, Mike? I'm good, man. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Really appreciate it. Nice getting to know you guys. Thank you so much for having us. It's yeah. just been brilliant. It's been great, guys. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. And, and those that don't know, this is take two. This is take two. <laughs> so inside we, running we, joke. We call this take one. Right? <laughs> take two didn't even, didn't just, even yeah, get, yeah, off, get started. <laughs> so again, guys, this is the Azria show where all the information that you need about Arizona real estate is right here in one single place. Remember to go to Azria.org. That's Azria.org for all of your real estate needs. Thank you so much. We appreciate you being listeners. And remember, Arizona is the place you want to invest. Thanks for listening to The Azria Show with your hosts, Marcus Maloney and Mike Delpreet. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found this information valuable, head over to azria.org and learn more about our community.